Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11. The word I want to talk about today is hero. I want to talk about the importance of heroes in your life. Those people that inspire you. Those people that help you to be more you, more human, and quietly make all kinds of good happen in the world. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about celebrity heroes, though, of course, some of them might be on your list. I'm talking about the heroes in your life that you actually know. That single mom who is just rocking it despite being so tired. The coach who keeps inspiring your kids or yourself to, in, to uh, discover more. Your dad, your mom, maybe the blogger that just keeps killing it at their posts, or the babysitter that loves your kids so well. Maybe it's your roommate that keeps selflessly washing the dishes. Maybe it's your Bible study leader that, I don't know, that just is uh, opening up all kinds of new worlds to you by the way that they study scripture with you. Maybe it's the artist that is putting out such creative, unique work. Maybe it's the filmmaker or librarian. Maybe it's your UPS driver. I don't know who it is, but I'm talking about discovering and naming the heroes in your life that help you to become more you, that inspire you to bring good things to the world just by being themselves. We're going to talk about what it takes to be a hero. And to do that, I interviewed one of my heroes, a woman named Jenny Hill. Jenny is an elementary school librarian. She's an author. She's a biker. And oh, by the way, she has cerebral palsy. Yeah. So that is going to be amazing. A few shout outs. Hey, we have new listeners continuing together all over the world, but I really want to give some shout outs to the fine folks in Minnesota. You guys are my peeps, my hometown crowd. I love you guys. And I had this idea, I think in the next month or so, it'd be fun to do a meetup somewhere, maybe a coffee shop, maybe a tap room. Uh, Northeast Minneapolis is full of some amazing tap rooms. And I thought it might be fun to do a meetup. If you think that'd be a good idea, email me, steve at steveweens.com. And I will set up a day and we will have a few of us gather together and talk about what it means to be human and holy and all kinds of other stuff. So email me and just say, man, I'm in. I don't know when, but if I can make it, I'm in. And uh, wanna, before we dive into the interview, I want to remind you about the book release party, December 11th at Awaken Community Church in St. Paul. My friend Micah Witham's the pastor there beautiful old Catholic building, uh, and it, we're, we're going to have so much fun. Joel Hansen's going to play some music. We're going to do some readings. I just confirmed the one and only Mary Martin Weens, my wife, will be doing some readings from the book. Yay. Uh, she is amazing. And uh, we're going to have some good food and drink. Many uh, copies of the book will be available for, for you to purchase might be a good idea for some Christmas presents. I don't know. I will sign them if you want me to, and that will be fun. So RSVP on my show notes on steveweens.com. And also, starting next week on my blog on Tuesdays and on This Good Word on Thursdays, 
we're going to do a series on beginnings. So it's going to uh, hint and tease at some of the ideas represented in the book, and we're going to blow it out podcast and blog style, and it's going to be super fun. So that starts next Tuesday on the blog, steveweens.com, and next Thursday on This Good Word. We're starting with the word Tov. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know what that word is, buckle up because it's amazing. As always, check out the show notes, steveweens.com, for all of the juicy information that you're going to find in this podcast, including how to connect with Jenny Hill, my hero that I'll be interviewing in just a couple minutes here. Her book, Walking with Tension, uh, which you're going to want to buy right now. It is so good. And any and all other things. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to my hero, Jenny Hill. So here we are, my friend Jenny Hill. Oh. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, you were one of the first people I was thinking about interviewing as I thought about, you know, sometimes I do, well, thus far it's just been me alone, but you were one of the first people I thought about that I really mm. want to interview. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Jenny Hill. Jenny and I have known each other for five or six years. Uh, I'm going to ask Jenny a bunch of questions. As you know, the word this week is hero. And Jenny, I've told you many times, you just are one of my heroes for many, many reasons. Uh, And we will get into some of those reasons, I hope. (laughs) All right. But, uh, so Jenny, first question, let's dive right in. Uh, One of the taglines of this podcast is that we are dust and we are breath. We are human and we are holy. We are limited and we are limitless. We're in it together. So my first question to you is, what does it mean for you that you are dust and breath or limited and limitless, uh, you know, human and holy? What does that mean to you? Well, the idea that we're limitless, like that is really challenging for me, Mm. even to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So every time when you say that every week, I'm just like, I don't know if I... Agree. <laughs> I, know, I, I, know, I know, but I, I think about that like I want to agree, but I just so like limited. That yeah. I understand. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, I actually, I trained and I did finish a 5K two summers ago. The couch to 5K is supposed to be nine weeks of training. It was 18 for me. Yeah. <laughs> Very long. I had pain. I had inflammation. I had to stop for a while. And then I, I finally did it. Um, but I trained on a flat track. And then we got to the race, and it was Sandy Hills. Right. Crazy town, which is much harder. It was much harder. And so this little old lady after mile one just looked at me. She said, honey, you don't have to run the whole thing. <laughs> You're like, you don't understand. <laughs> yes, I, I like, do. I busted. So then I did, like, walk the rest of it. I ended up an hour later, like, finishing with people double my age who hadn't spent the last third of the year training. Yeah. And if you ever doubt, you're limited. I did not doubt that day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I mean, it's a lot easier to kind of tap into the limited nature of who we are because we run out so often. Oh, my gosh. Faster than we want to. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I, you know, so I think the invitation for us to connect with the fact that we are human and holy is that there is a part of us embedded in us by God that yes. has this eternal nature and has this limitless, not in the sense of limitless, like we can do anything we want or we can run hundred miles without stopping or we can do all these things. That of course is not what we're talking about, about being limitless, but it is about tapping into something in us that we didn't know we had. Mm. And I think that's what I want to talk to you a lot about because 
Um, that's how I observe you, Jenny, in a lot of the things that you've put your mind to do and that you've done them is that um, there is a limitless quality to you. So let's dive right into that. So you have cerebral palsy or CP. Can mm -hmm. we call it CP for the rest you of can. the thing? You can. It's a lot easier to say. CP. Because <laughs> I always get caught in cerebral. Is it cerebral palsy? I cerebral palsy? Both are correct. Okay. So I just say CP too. Okay. So can you... Because I think most people don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. So can you explain what it is? Yeah. So your brain is just constantly telling your muscles to contract and relax. That's how we move, right? But um, I wasn't. I didn't have enough oxygen going to my brain when I was born. So I have some brain damage, and so some of my muscles are always. They always have the busy signal. Right. They're always tight. So that makes walking for me challenging. If you meet different people, they're going to look and move differently because it depends on what part of their brain was damaged. Yep. So I have a hard time with balance, walking, hand-eye coordination. I have a startle reflex. Then I get tired easy because it takes more energy for me to move. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, Jenny, every once in a while, I actually try to startle you. you know, just I know, people have so I'm much so fun mean. with it. <laughs> I know. But I love you and I know you, so I, I think I'm allowed to do that. Every just once in a while. Just don't do it when I have like hot coffee <laughs> in my hand. I would appreciate it. Yes. Um, and... Yeah. There are varying degrees yeah. of CP, right? And so mm -hmm. some people can't walk at all. Some people can't talk at all. It correct? has affected their, yeah, right. their speech muscles. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's all these different levels of CP. And so um, give us some snapshots of your story mm. and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of what it was like to have CP as a kid, as a teenager, uh, as a young adult, and now sort of. Uh, walk us through different snapshots, okay. things you remember. Well, there's kind of an interesting phenomenon. If you were born with a disability, it's sort of normal for you. Yeah. You've always moved that way, and that's what you're used to. So, like, elementary school, when kids are like, why are you walking funny? I know initially I was like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. This is how I move. <laughs> I, like, there's something wrong with it. In a way. I mean, I knew I was different, but, but yeah. But, but was, kids would stop you and oh, say. Oh, yeah. They just want to know. Why are you walking funny? Or and, and not what's, wrong what's with your you? name? Right. So the first thing you and <laughs> yeah. okay, this is sorry, I'm interrupting. Yeah, I go for it. I'm a terrible you interviewer, should. but that's one of the things that I think over the years as we've talked, you've told me is that instead of hey, what's your name? Hey, what do you do? Frequently, even now, oh yeah, you even get now. what's wrong with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's and, and so that's a part of your story. Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to childhood. Yeah. So I mean that that started there, and then. Um, so when I was 12, obviously it's awkward when you're a teenager, right? So um, one evening, my parents went to hear an evangelist who believed in miraculous healing. And that night, I actually had a cold, so I went to bed early. And uh, my dad came and got me and said, there's a man who prays for people to be healed. Would you like him to pray for you? And honestly, I'd never like thought about myself being like blind, crippled, and lame in the Bible. I don't know. I didn't think of myself in that category, but I love Jesus. I thought, man, if he wanted to take this away, that would be amazing. Like, I don't actually like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, yeah. I could have, you know, a different experience. So, I mean, I, I went and it was um, a large auditorium. There were hundreds of people there, I think, and I was prayed for. Um, and, you know, it maybe should have been my first clue. I still went home with a cold. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to, you know, cerebral palsy, like neither one. Resolved even, that evening. Didn't even heal a cold. I know, just like so. What's up with that? But I, man, but I left with a lot of questions. Like, wow. Yeah. We don't pray for the sick yeah. in our church, and is this really an option? I mean, I've been told that cerebral palsy is incurable. 
but now this is being presented. So I had a lot of questions and I, um, hmm, I started to read a lot yeah. about this because I was just very, very curious, the Bible and books on it. Um, it was the 90s, so you did not Google things right. <laughs> um, at the time. Um, and then this person was in my life for the next couple of years, and I was prayed for repeatedly. The same mm -hmm. faith healer mm -hmm. or uh, evangelist yep, or whatever. Yep, on stages usually every time. And it went from interest to an unhealthy situation. Yeah. I'll say that, yeah. Um, there's a lot of ideas why people get healed and don't get healed. And so... Uh, hmm. I've experienced a lot. Some things that are, are weird. Uh, I was baptized because they must want to make sure there wasn't any like sin in the way of me being healed, even though mm -hmm. I'd already been baptized. So, uh, like you mean at one of these events, yeah, you get baptized? Yes. You want to make sure. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, they tried casting a demon out of me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember there was an evening where he, he said, be loose from her, you follow a nasty thing. And I, I'm not sure what was meant exactly, but I remember in that moment just thinking like, wait a second, <laughs> like am I following nasty? Yeah. Is it following nasty to have a disability? Right. Is, is this uh, some terrible thing to be a person with this? Did I not have enough faith? And I think that changed actually, if I were to pin it down to a moment, really how I viewed myself. Yeah, and how old were you when that happened, mm. When the, even when that moment? Like 12 or 13. Okay, so very yeah. formative. I mean... Yeah, bad timing. Yeah, you're 12 <laughs> or 13, and whether you have CP or not, all kinds of things are going through your mind about, am I, am I, am I defective? Am I, you know, so to have that happen at that stage of your development must have uh, made you feel defective. I mean, you already probably yes. felt effective, yes? Yes, it did. But from from God, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I always loved Jesus. I think we had a good relationship maybe until that moment. I know that was yeah. like the good thing, you know? And then it was like, oh, no, this is falling apart, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Jenny, uh, what's it like to be stared at oh, yeah. in public? <laughs> I mean, this happens to you. It, I know does, it does happen to me. So yeah. I have a lot to say about this. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, it's happened from little kids that are just curious about the way I move. I mean, I work in elementary school, and I think they're just, they ask all the time, why do you move like that? And I think they just see their other teachers, and they just want to know, like, you move differently than they yeah. do. Like, what's going on? And I explain it to them, and they kind of move on with life. That's not really a big deal. I think they just don't have a filter. Um, but men and women, both women, it's kind of this one upmanship, like, mm -hmm. I look better than you. <laughs> like uh, I'm winning. Like, and I'm like, hmm, good for you. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's strange, but I have moments though. This happened a few years ago. I was meeting a friend for a coffee and I was early and I got a car and this person was going into caribou coffee and I saw him looking at me and at first I thought, He's looking at me. Ah, <laughs> and I, me I know, out. I know. I totally thought I was being checked out. And I'm like, yeah, I do look good. I got the boots on yeah, today. Baby. These good jeans. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, oh, he's yeah. looking at me. Mm. Um, he's looking at the way I walk. And I kind of caught him looking at me. And his yeah. face just changed. And I realized, well, I'm always taken back by it. I don't even know what to say. Like, I wanted to say, you know, something, but I was frozen. But I realized that is like being stared through. Yeah. You're looked at, but you are not seen. Like you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your whole soul has just been missed, and you, yeah, you're evaluated, and you come up short. And 
It usually takes me like a week to recover from that because I never think it's going to happen. I just, I don't even know what to say. And, you know, you think uh, that moment, you're like, I wonder if everybody thinks that about me and just some people don't have enough self-control to keep it in. Like, is this the whole conversation? And um, hmm. so that really, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how I even see people. Yeah, This has been really kind of life-changing for me. And I think about, this is what I really think about. When you go into a room, particularly one that has a lot of people or one that's familiar to you, I think we default are looking and saying, hmm, who knows me? Yep. Who do I know? Yep. And I really want to change the conversation to who needs to be known. Oh, my goodness. What if we did that, that Steve? That is killer. <laughs> so, so, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's a completely different frame of reference. Who, how'd you say that? Who needs yeah, to be known? Instead of asking, who do I know? Who knows me? What if we asked who needs to be known? What if we went into a room and looked around like we do, but we maybe yeah. look and see somebody who's sitting alone or new or different or hiding in their phone? And what if we, yeah. what if we took time to get to know them? Well, and I think that's so powerful. And, and, and actually, now that you say that, I mean, that sort of happened between the two of us, I mean, in a certain way. So Probably. when we met... Uh, you know, I was the, I was one of the pastors at the church, so you knew me at first as the guy who spoke, and mm-hmm. and I know this story, so I'm going to tell it from my perspective. Okay. But I want you to tell it too. It's like, so you knew me as kind of the the guy in the you know black t-shirt and dark jeans and fashionable glasses or whatever. That was kind of whatever. I mean, you had an opinion of me, right? Yes. And that was. <laughs> you can say okay, it. I'll say it. You've been cool your whole life. Yes. Yes. And so, right, and so there was this sense of, and then I gave this training, which, in your opinion, I sort of missed the mark on, and, uh, but you found out somehow, maybe it was during a sermon, that I stuttered big time growing up, and I called that uh, an invisible disability, right, that, well, it's quite visible, actually, but it's, it's different than having CP. So, and talk about how that sort of helped us connect. Okay. <laughs> did, I mean, you know, right? Do you, yeah. remember, do, you, do you remember that? Yeah. So I had never been to a mega church in my life, actually, until I graduated college and a bunch of people said, you got to go to Open Door because they knew I was working near the area. So I went. So you were preaching the first time I went. And I don't know where this came from, except maybe we can say it's from God, but I had, I'm like, I think I'd like to be friends with that person. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know how one does that, but I just had that thought. And then we had this training, and you were talking about human growth and development, and you were just talking about how teenage years, you you know, you want to fit in, which is true. And then you said, so if you wear a shirt one day and people call you fat, you probably aren't going to wear that shirt ever again. And I just sat there kind of in shock, like, wow, wish it was that easy. Right. <laughs> you can't really take off a limp. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I just and I think this bubble of hope popped like, hmm, mm-hmm. what I really like to know you, but I just I'm checking out right now. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's going to happen. The hope bubble just kind of popped. And I think I was not okay for like a month. Yeah. Kind of unsettled about yeah. the whole thing, and then you were preaching that sermon in Christ in blank. Mm. And you a little whiteboard and you drew a picture of yourself and began talking about how we have stories in our life and you talk about stuttering, you talk about infertility. God is holding us together. 
in the midst of that story. There's a bigger one happening yeah. in our life. And I, I just, you know, talked about stuttering, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, he does understand what it's like mm. to be different. And then you talked about seven years you had struggled with infertility, and I just thought, he knows what it's like to wrestle for a long time mm. over your deepest desires, and he knows yeah. what's going to happen. So our friendship began with an apology. I went wow. home and emailed you and said, I am so sorry. I judge you. This is why. Yeah, and after that, we, you came up to me at uh, one evening and said, I don't know what it's like to have cerebral palsy, but for me, the thing with stuttering is that it was so public. Yeah. And I just thought, how did, how did you just sum that up in a sentence? Mm. <laughs> well, I th- and, I th- and I remember that email, and I remember being so touched. And then I do remember that. I remember uh, wanting to hear more of your story. And that we just did kind of have this connection together um, that I think, you know, frankly, is bigger, much bigger than having public disabilities. But um, but then we started talking about writing. Well, yeah. So even that night, I don't even know where this came from. You wanted to hear my story. And I was I had just finished sharing it with students. And I thought, I'm not ripping my heart open right here. Right. In the middle of this gathering place, and there's people swarming. Yeah. I think there are people waiting for you. So all of a sudden out of my mouth, I just said, I'll write that out for you. That's right. That's right. I don't know where that came from, <laughs> but I, I did it. Yeah, and that became an article, and then it became a book. Yes. So Jenny has written a book called. Uh, now I don't know why I just started talking to these people out there. Uh, Jenny, you have written a book have. called Walking with Tension. Mm-hmm. It is such a great book. I loved it from the minute I read it in manuscript form. Then when I read it on my Kindle, uh, it is first of all great title, Walking with Tension. Second of all, amazing forward. I mean, whoever wrote the forward to this book, whoo, just really nailed it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful book, and it was a labor for you of yeah. two or three years of writing and rewriting. Talk to me about why you wrote the book mm-hmm. and what it was like to write out, because it's really a memoir, uh, and it's, it's just a gorgeous piece of raw, honest, hopeful but hope not in a cheesy, cliche-ish way. It's very hopeful, rooted in the raw reality of what happens if you don't get physically healed. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. I just editorialized all over that. What was it? Why did you write it, and what was it like to write that book? Yeah. Well, in my young adult years, I... I still have cerebral palsy. I think that's not letting the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Too bad I never got healed. But, but I always thought I would have a dysfunctional relationship with God. Like I'd always yeah. want healing, and He wasn't going to heal me. And so, that's the way it was going to be. Well, I I actually did um, did experience some healing in terms of my relationship with the Lord, and I never thought that was ever going to happen. And I just, it was so wonderful. And when something good happens to you, you really just can't shut up. I don't think any of us can. We just keep telling people, can you believe this happened to me? And people would listen and then they just kind of, you should write a book. That was sort of their reaction. Yeah. I was one of those people. Yeah. And you were one of those people, but like not the first person, like the fourth or fifth person. Yeah. So I just started to sort of write it down, start writing but it really became, I think, an instrument of healing, you know, because you have to write it out and then you have to revise it and you have to keep oh. thinking about it and keep working through it. And so I think it really became an instrument of healing, even in my life, to really, really wrestle it to the ground and write it and close that chapter in my life and, and really move on. Uh, towards the end, yeah, I had to put a chair by my table and just 
remember that I was not alone, <laughs> yeah. that the Lord, you know, was with me in this process. And I'm, I know one day I just laid on that thing and wept, but I got her done. You wept. Well, and it's yeah. beautiful. And so I will include on the show notes, mm-hmm. I will include a link to buying the book. Um, and so all you good people out there, please buy this book. And honestly, I think, I don't know, Jenny, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but it's like, if you love someone with a disability, if you have a disability, if you're wondering how to interact with people as people with disabilities, I think you need to read your book because I think it's just such an, a comprehensive picture of what it's like to move through stages of grief denial, mm-hmm. you know, bargaining, all the all the stages of grief, but but also how to wrestle with God mm-hmm. and wrestle with other people in the midst of and how to not I mean there's so many people that say so many stupid things. Can you can you name like just name two or three four of the stupidest things oh you've ever been told? Uh, maybe even by Christians, you know, like, well God must have had a reason for oh. giving you cerebral palsy. I might have to think about that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, mostly you should pray harder. Yeah. Maybe you don't want it enough. Like, I'm like, I don't oh. know how to want it more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I want to maybe talk about what you just said. So there's kind of like three things that I had in mind as I was writing. One, I just want to write a good story. Like, I want you yeah. to finish a chapter and, and just want to read the next chapter. And people that are into it, I think they said that that happened. Yep. And then I did want to kind of give perspective to disability because you probably will meet somebody in your life who's disabled. And um, even people in my own family, I'd say, I think it's true. They could understand words coming out of my mouth, but you can't truly know what that experience maybe is. Yeah. So maybe to kind of bridge that gap. And I've always felt um, if you have a physical disability, so you see that. But I really believe the biggest struggle is internal. Wow. So... So I wanted to give some perspective to that so you can kind of get a picture of what is that like? The emotions, the thoughts, your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with other people. And then uh, I really feel like I can't answer the question of why people don't get healed. That's too big for me. Right. But I did want to pose that question in a way maybe the reader can wrestle with it. Yeah, and I think you did that really well in the book because you don't answer... It's not prescriptive. You don't, you don't even try to answer that question. But you do give space for people to ask it. And I think that's what you said just yeah. now. But I want to just underline that. Yes, you did do that very well. And I think even it, it's, it's not even so much of a niche. I think anyone could read that book and, and ask the question, what do I need to wrestle with God honestly yeah. on? And how will I do that? How do I do that well? How do I do it with other people? How do I... Do the internal work. Uh, and I think you've just done that and continue to do that. I mean, you continue to impress me by your dogged <laughs> Learn how to grunt to, in prayer. Yeah. I don't know what to well, say. No, you, <laughs> just you just, bring it. Very intentional. Okay, so here's some here's some other questions. Okay. More bullet point questions. But right. you have this dream of wearing high heels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so talk to me about that, right? I actually don't have that dream. Well, it's I mean, good. I, you know, I, I actually wish I could be a little taller, but it's just not taller. very appropriate for you. Yes. Well, uh, this is a fun thing. If any of you need to be encouraged, just sit down and start thinking about what you think about heaven. I think a lot of things about heaven, but I, I wrote a blog post once about that. And one thing I envisioned is having a closet full of heels. 
because I don't get to wear them now. So I just think, oh man, I could wear like the red shiny ones for like a thousand years. Yes. It'd be amazing. Yes. A little cheetah print. Yes. A little black. <laughs> yes. It'd be fun. And I think I'd like to maybe even try running in them, seeing how that is. Yes. I love that. I love that delightful picture of, you know, because I, th- I think whatever else a restored humanity is, it's God delighting us. And, you know, for you, we I love that. It's fun to think about. Yeah. I love that. Now, another question. You just, uh, so we, we did this World Vision Marathon Oh, thing, yeah. And you you rode your bike 26.2 miles. I did. And you did it up north, and it was, a, it was a grueling event. It was hard. Talk about that, why you did it, how what it was like. Yeah, so I mentioned that I had done a, a 5K uh, last summer, and I got plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Which was, that was the end of running. And so. Yeah, it, and, and that's smart. <clears throat> I mean, that is a really bad injury and you shouldn't, if you keep running on it, it'll just get worse. Yeah. So it's a year later and I'm still recovering. So um, it was suggested that I get a bike. So Gillette helped me out with that and I have a recumbent. So it's three yeah. wheels. Um, and the weird thing about it is the front is, um, there's no front. So if you can envision the handlebars are kind of. Um, they're down by your seat, so you steer it like that. So it's been super fun. And I was looking at them the weekend that somebody came to church and was talking about World Vision. I thought, I'm going to spend more on this bike than people even are going to, to raise. They're expensive. So I thought, well, I'm not going to run a marathon, but I'd bike it. Yeah. So I just I started biking. Um, and my bike is slow. It's more meant to just enjoy. It doesn't really cruise because it's got three wheels. So I did it over the course of two days. Did half, yeah, half of it, and then I did the other half the second day. Went pretty well. We did it in Niswa, so it was pretty flat on their trails. But yeah, I got a little pinch behind my knee for two months. It's done. It's done. <laughs> yeah. You're healed. <laughs> um, okay, so that is very fun, and that's the kind of thing you do. I love that. You just oh yeah, I'm gonna. Buy a bike, and I'm gonna do 26.2 miles, and that's gonna be rough. But but I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna be a part of this thing. And I can't run a marathon, but you're not gonna cry about that. You're gonna maybe you did cry about that. You're gonna say, man. I'm no, I never this. cried when it was suggested that yeah. I don't run. <laughs> Must be probably waiting oh, for their physician to say, good. don't run. I beg you. <laughs> All right. So here's another question: Who are your heroes, and why? Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. So I do hope you read Walking With Tension because I talk about two of them. Um, they're both named Steve, which helps. Anyway, so um, kind of in the mix of um, eighth or ninth grade year was kind of the end of me being prayed for by this evangelist. Yeah. And we lived with a potato field across the street from our house. I love so, this story so much. Oh, you do? Yes. Good. It's my favorite stories in the book. So I would take the, it was my job to take our dog Brutus out for a walk. So we'd walk him and I, I would save up all my emotion until I crossed the road and then I would just let God have it. I mean, I was so disappointed. I felt awkward having a disability and then just that that I, really I think my relationship with the Lord was the most precious one in my life and it just seemed like it had been shattered and I was so drowning questions about why people aren't healed they're so big right I was just drowning in that um and I think when people experience disappointment it seems to produce energy in them I mean either I think they turn to destructive behavior or or something else and so I kind of 
maybe all teenagers do this, kind of just looked at my life and thought, hmm, what could I, what could I be good at? I need to be good at something. Yeah. And I thought, man, I think I could be good at academics. And so around that time, the school PT said, well, we think you should wear braces, which... And by braces, you're not talking about mouth braces. You're no, about braces like on, on my feet, yeah, which remember visible. I like to wear heels. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. know. So that just sounded like awful. So we went to see my surgeon. Um, when I was four, I had a corrective surgery. They broke bones and lengthened tendons so that I can... I walk pretty well. I hadn't seen him since I was you know, in the single digits. And here is this person who's clearly above me, way highly educated, out of my league, but then yet just so inviting. Like, hmm. You know, this person was okay yeah. to be around this person who was above me. And I, um, my feet don't match, which I think is kind of awkward. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so like he like looked at them with his bare hands. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, so, and he's like, this is actually normal. I'm like, Wow. Yeah. You're the first person ever to tell me my feet are normal. Like, I look at these every day or don't look at them every day. And I just thought, hmm, look at this person. They they have studied so hard to be, like, the best. Look what he did. I'm, I'm walking independently every day because of his work. And I wonder what would happen if I was that dedicated. Who could I help? Hmm. So I began to study every day for hours middle school, high school, college. And when I didn't want to study, I studied more. That meant he made it through med school. I can do this. Let's <laughs> study more, you know. Yeah. And um, so I graduated from college and once again was on a stage. But this time I had earned earned uh, my way up there. It wasn't shameful. Nobody was trying to cast demons on me. And I gave the commencement address and some of the best days of my life felt good. You gave the commencement address at your college graduation. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Right? And he was he there? I mean, he wasn't no, there. No, no. But he was the inspiration behind your words and behind all the Just hard all work. all the work every day. Yeah. What was, what was his name? Yeah, his name is Stephen Coop. Dr. Stephen Coop. Mm -hmm. Is he still practicing? He is still practicing, yes. And yeah. he's read the book. He was going to come to my book lecture, actually, but his pager went off. Then I did cry. I'm like, I wanted to pager tell you. Yeah, so... No, so big not shout a jerk. out to Dr. Stephen <laughs> Coop. Uh, yeah, you're not a jerk. That was that was me editorializing again, which I should stop doing. Dr. Stephen Coop, thank you so much for uh, your friendship, your mentoring for Jenny, your work with her. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he's a hero. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so academics for me was like a robe. I mean, I thought like, man, the more A's I get, people can just see how smart I am, and we don't have to look at the fact that I awkward ah. and I still felt so ashamed and such a failure I felt like it was my fault I had CP and so this was like this thing that I felt covered me ah. mm -hmm. so robe in the sense of covering your the what's 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 evil and bad about your CP not evil but what's defective about the about mm -hmm. you having CP mm -hmm. so I mean I graduated right but I went to graduate school so I had a little more time yep <laughs> yep which is great Kind of, but my good friends uh, said, you know, maybe you should go to counseling. And I thought, yeah, there's, there's going to be a day where there's not going to be GPAs anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, or this isn't going to work. So I did go to counseling, and it was ugly. And I, I talk about it in my book. I really felt like I went through all the stages of grief. I read Elizabeth Kubler's Ross uh, on death and dying mm -hmm. while I was writing to even understand that. Um, but people with disabilities are grieving. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you're born with a disability, you know, it's not like you were, quote, normal one day and then something happened and you're not. You're kind of grieving the loss of potential. Ah, wow. Wow. Things that never were. Yep. And never will be, perhaps. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had never, like, grieved that I couldn't mm. ride a two-wheel bike or wear high heels or... And at the time, I couldn't say cerebral palsy out loud without chest pain. I mean, it just was oh, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. So when people talk to me, maybe that's why I don't have a lot of answers for you. I just, I mean, I just took everything just for me, just to say it out loud. And I wanted to be polite, but yet inside I was just hurting. So, yeah, that's what I got to do behind closed doors, talk to a counselor and just say it out loud. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, again, you are so courageous. And that's why I say you're just one of my heroes because you keep doing the courageous thing. It's hard. You don't know how you're going to get there. You know it's going to be ugly, whether it be riding a 26.2-mile bike ride or, uh, you know, diving into a tough conversation. I've seen you do that, uh, making a tough decision about believing certain things. I've seen you do that. Uh, you're just, that's what you do. You do the courageous thing and knowing it'll be hard. I mean, even... You know, so I remember this, one of the first times that we had you speak at Open Door, right? And you did such a great job. But after the Saturday night service, you threw up. (laughs) (laughs) But I came back the next day. She totally came back the next day. And you were kind of, you weren't feverish, but I mean, you were close. I mean, it was Uh... like you you were not (laughs) feeling well. No. Because you were so vulnerable and you threw your story out there and... People, you were so great. We still we, that's on YouTube somewhere, isn't it? It is on YouTube. Okay, I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put that in the show notes. You I gotta should. remember that, but I will put that in the show notes. It's about a maybe 15, 20 minute thing. And it's me and you. I'm mm-hmm. interviewing you basically, right? Mm-hmm. Five years ago, maybe, or or four, I don't know. Uh, and it's a spectacular job. But you you threw up after the Saturday night. You came back on Sunday and you did two more. And then remember, I remember telling you, okay, you're going to kind of have a hangover on Monday about this. This is this is what we call the preacher hangover in the business, is when you wake up the next day and you go, oh my God, after preaching or sharing your story or whatever, and you go, oh my gosh, what did I say? What did I do? Oh no. Yeah, it lasted longer than a day though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like several days. Oh, I know. Yeah, I wouldn't hit under a blanket. Yeah. I just felt so exposed. But no, that was the good thing. So counseling works. Yeah. I can't say that enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so eventually Steve asked me to speak in front of thousands of people, and I did it. Yeah. And I that was so redemptive for me because the stage had been this place of either shame or achievement, yes. and here I was, just the grace of God, just because of who I was. That's it. Yeah, it's interesting. The stage has become a bit of a metaphor is the wrong word. It's, it's, it's a place of birth, you know, a place of death and birth, maybe, for you. Uh, and now you're speaking. You know, so you're doing some speaking. You do. You're getting invited out to do different things. You, you've been to the Johnny Erickson Thotic Camp, right? You've been, mm-hmm. I mean, you've spoken at churches, colleges. How's that experience? I don't throw up every time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's really good. Um, I think we've talked about there are points where you speak where your story maybe intersects with the work God is already doing and some of the people who are listening. Yep. And I think often when I talk, people whose life have been impacted by disability, either themselves or a family member, tend to show up. 
Yeah. And uh, a lot of times when I talk, people just sit there and weep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised by that because I think you share with such hope and vulnerability that it just people just go right to their woundedness, you know, and their story, and they they realize there can be that God, not an answer, but that God might be there for them, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. All right, so uh, let me see here. Um, you meet with a guy named Chris mm-hmm. on several Sundays a month to watch football, and tell me about Chris. Sure. If that's okay. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll edit it, I guess, and take it out. No, but, no, I asked okay. him if it was okay. He says, yeah. okay, we can okay. talk about it. So, so we can talk about Chris. So talk to me about what that experience has been for you. Yeah. And what it is. Well, maybe I'll talk about meeting him first because yeah. that was sort of a, an event in itself and then what we've done from there. So um, <clears throat> this goes back to my book, actually. When you are writing, you I think I learned how to paint with words. Mm. You know, I really like academics well where you, you are just stating the facts. Right. <laughs> and the art in that is when you bring, you know, ideas together in new ways, which I love, but it's very black and white. And so... The first gal who edited my book, there's this chapter, Questions Without Answers, and I was trying to just illustrate all these ideas coming together. She said, no, show it to me. Yes. So like, how do you make a 12-year-old sitting at their desk in their bedroom flipping through the Bible or a book interesting? I had to think about this. But really, the book that impacted me the most was Johnny by Johnny Erickson Tata. If you're old enough, you know that who she is, but if you're my age or younger, I think maybe you don't. Yeah. She was in a diving accident when she was 16, and she broke her neck. So the book's kind of violent because it talks about that whole injury and her time in the hospital, but then at the end of the book, she said, I'd rather be on my in this chair knowing him than on my feet without him. And that made me mad. Yeah, him <laughs> being God, right? Oh, it just made me mad. Yeah. I mean, I just, oh, yeah, sorry, him right. being God, yeah. yes, yep. I mean, I just thought, no, nobody wants to be disabled for any reason. There's not a, no. And right. I love that. You just cried foul. Uh, like, like, no. Just don't believe, I don't believe you even believe that. And yeah. um, and can we be healed and love Jesus? I mean, there's mm. plenty of people who aren't disabled who are serving him. Just, I don't, can't there be a third option? Yes. I still wonder about that. So um, I threw the book actually under my bed and later I threw it in the trash which I am a librarian. So that is like That's a painful thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. So Yeah. But I also I think as her book was medically traumatic and I think maybe I was reliving my own trauma but for I had nightmares about it for a long time. Like yeah. even into my adulthood, just terrified of that woman. I couldn't look at a picture of her and just I don't know, scared. So you can imagine my reaction when my friend in 2012 said, "Hey, do you want to volunteer to Johnny and Friends retreat?" No, thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. No, but I think it maybe goes back to what you're talking about. So I didn't. And I don't know how to how you even explain to your friend you're terrified of this woman yeah. you've never met. And but yeah, there's something in me very unsettled about yeah. saying no. I felt like there was invitation in that. And so I thought about it. The other thing is I have mild CP and so I never know how people are gonna perceive me and I'm kind of sensitive to that especially in that environment I mean some I've gotten every reaction from people are just angry that I even consider myself as a person with a disability because they've seen how bad it can be and just how dare you 
Um, people who maybe have a little bit more impairment are envious, and I'm kind of it's uncomfortable, I think, for them to see the, some of the things. I had one gentleman realize he said, You can drive. That mm. was really a hard moment. I yeah. mean, but I'm not going to shy away from that. Uh, and some people think I was in a car accident, and some people think I'm amazing, and I, I don't. I don't know how to deal with that, but, yeah. but I went, um, and I thought I work in elementary school, so I am around disability. I'll, I'll be fine. Um, I've never really been around people with multiple and severe disability ever in my life, and I wasn't with kids. I was with people my age. That was yeah, shocking. Right. I mean, I think about maybe my own adulthood has had some disappointment, but I mean, these are people who live with their parents or in a group home they didn't go to college they're not getting advanced degrees they are not working i love to think i think some of these people don't get to think yeah the, the way i get to think and i i just was a little beside myself and i really wanted to cry actually mm, yeah um and grieve and so these volunteers we would have like these debriefing and they'd be so excited and i just was like well but um hmm and so one day in small group, this gentleman um, started crying. And I thought, well, there's somebody who's keeping it real. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> um, and so these helpers that asked him, you know, are you crying because of all you've lost because of your disability? And he signed yes. And I thought, okay, here's someone. Um, and so the next day I heard his story. He was in a car accident and um, intellectually fully intact, but actually unable to open his mouth. I thought, Wow. It's rare, but there's a few moments in life where you just get a glimpse of people and you see beyond that moment. I thought, I think I would like to sit by this man for hours, as long as it takes, yeah. until I learn what he's saying. Yeah. I think he has something to say. Um, and he can only sign one letter at a time because his left hand's paralyzed, his vision is blurred, and he doesn't have the muscle control to like, use technology, so it's just one letter at a time. So I found out they live 20 minutes from my house. Yep. Yeah. So I, after camp, I went over there and started learning his sign. took about a year yeah. to learn it because it's just, um, you know, it's like reading messy handwriting and everybody, you know, everybody has their own communication style and he does too. Yep. So. And it's, I mean, I've met Chris. He's 6'9". Yeah. Yes. First of all. He's very tall. Um, and he's completely in a wheelchair slash sometimes lying down on the ground. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't walk. He doesn't um, have much control over his body, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what's remarkable about that is I think most of us would meet Chris, honestly, and be immediately threatened because we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. It's sort of like, ah, you know, and so I think how did you – Mm. maybe acknowledge your own reactions to that, but then obviously you are have gotten past that and you see this great human being who has a sense of humor and loves the Vikings and, you know, um, mm. but, right, I mean, I think there is a sense of, uh, Jean Vanier talks about this in his book, Becoming Human, with his work with people with profound disabilities that most of us are, are just so threatened, Um by people with disabilities. So how did you move past mm -hmm. that? Wow. <laughs> well, was first, there like 17 questions? Well, it's just not a simple answer to yeah. that one question. Um, 
Okay, so <laughs> this kind of it was a lot of crying. First yeah. of all, um, because I deeply, I was deeply saddened about what had even happened to him. Yes. So I think I grieved just myself, and I, I don't know how you engage with authentic relationship with another human being. I guess if you don't grieve for them when yes. they're hurting. Oh my goodness! Let's just stop them. I mean, just that, say that again because that was so good. I don't know how you engage in authentic relationship with another human being if you don't grieve with them. Yes, Lord. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at first I went home and cried. Yeah. And I came and over to his house, and he was in his wheelchair, and um, he usually have somebody with him yeah. who was more familiar with his language. So, I mean, slowly I learned, like, that which was helpful and then um there was a day when i met his mom in the living room and she said well chris isn't out here he's back in his room and we went back to his room and he was lying down and she said well this is actually how he spends most of his time lying down and he was laying on a futon and i i think i thought about like the man on the mat in the bible i was like wow mm. like this is happening in 2012 yeah. in, in united states of america i was a little overwhelmed just then, and I <laughs> went to the bathroom, and I, um, you know, I, this might sound weird to some of your listeners, but I really just heard the voice of God, just this little whisper, I'm right here, Jenny. Yeah. I'm just right here. No, that's beautiful. So, uh. But wasn't that like a moment, I remember you telling me oh, about that, wasn't that a sort of moment where you kind of all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, He's actually getting ready to you know, like every time he's oh, with me. Oh yeah. So I whole really thing. realized in that moment, like this is what we all do. Like if you if yeah. you go on a date or something or just meet somebody for the first time, I mean you shower yeah. and brush your teeth and yeah. chew with your mouth closed and there's been some <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe if I remember. He's like right on my hand. Um but <laughs> chew with your mouth closed. I was in a band once called Chew with Your Mouth Closed. I know. Oh. Just, just kidding. I always say that. Um <laughs> Steve, you're such a dork. Okay, keep going. So you kind of realize Yeah, that, and so I realized, like, man, yeah. a lot of effort has gotten into him getting up and dressed and in a wheelchair and sitting just so we could have an upright conversation when really it's probably more comfortable to lie down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then I had to learn something, which I almost wish everyone could have a friend who is nonverbal because I had to learn about there is something different and deep about just being with another person. Right. I had to learn how to do that. Without a lot of words. Well, maybe with no words. Yeah. Maybe you just sit there with a person, hold their hand, or just be. Yeah. I mean, well, and it goes back to your thing you said a half an hour ago or so of, of instead of coming into a room and how, how can I be known, who needs to be known? And I think I've experienced that with you. I know Chris has. Many others have as well. People that you speak to, people that have read your books, your book, and right. I mean, the people that read your book, they they get in touch with you, and they they tell you, oh my goodness, right? I mean, I, I mean, you've told me some uh, of those people that have emailed you or gotten in touch with you. I think that's one of your major gifts that you have to offer people is seeing them. Yeah. I think we also have to realize. That's true. I think I had to realize what I wasn't there for. Yes. Um, 
you know, I love like Peter and John when they met the beggar and he wants money and yeah. they just right away just admit their poverty. Like I would, I don't have money. Right. But what I do have, I give you. And I, I think I approach the situation like, you know, I don't feel like I, I've never felt like I want to pray for healing for Chris or, but I just, I understand that situation's lonely and I really just want to be a friend. Yes. That's what I wanted to be there for. Yeah. And that's what you can give. Parker Palmer has a quote, uh, I wish I had it with me, but basically, when we try to give something that we do not possess, we end up harming ourselves and harming others. When we give something that is not authentic to who we are, it's damaging, actually, uh, ourselves and others. You know? I, I think that's true. It, yeah, I, I absolutely do. But I think so many times we think, well, I should give this, or they're looking for this. And maybe they're not even looking for that, but... Um, versus doing the hard inventory, the internal work of saying, well, what do I have to give? If it really is coming from somewhere true, Parker Palmer also says, when we do give something based out of who we are and based out of what we have, it's self-generative. Like we don't, maybe we're, we have to go take a nap or something, right? But it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't deplete in this eternally depleting way that giving away something that you don't have does deplete, hmm. right? So, okay, Jenny, I think we need to wrap it up. Um, is there anything, any last things that you wanted to say? Any things you, if you hoped I would, I would ask you or any shout-outs you want to give to anyone? I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for, for doing this. Um, you were brilliant and amazing. I can't wait for people to hear it. And, um, yeah, thank you. Grateful for you. You're welcome. Okay, you guys, was that amazing or what? Uh, I loved it. Thank you, Jenny, so much for being a hero. You inspire me. You amaze me. I love those stories. Thank you so much. So here's the challenge, everybody. I would like you to name your heroes. Not to me, but to the heroes themselves. Thank them. Celebrate them. Honor them. Take them out for dinner. Write them a note, write them an email, call them, tell them specifically why they are a hero of yours, tell them what they have done in your life that make you feel like you want to live your life differently and with more inspiration, creativity, whatever it is. Uh, honor your heroes. I think this is such an important thing that we do. So please do it. And I'm going to leave you with what's blowing my mind, and it's simply Jenny's book, Walking with Tension. You can get it on my show notes, steveweens.com. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you like to buy books. Check it out. And lastly, uh, I want to remind you again of my book release party. You can RSVP uh, by clicking the link on my show notes, steveweens.com. Uh, there's less than 100 tickets left, so they're going fast. Uh, pick them up. I would love to see you there. Joel Hansen's going to be there. I'm going to sign some books. You can buy some books. Great Christmas presents. Uh, you can support me that way. That would be really, really fun. And as always, check out the show notes on steveweens.com. Hey, I want to leave you with the mantra, as I always do. Uh, we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and we are holy. And we are in this together. See you next week, my friends. Grace and peace.